think I'm damaged goods. I'm worried about losing my job. Will I ever get a transplant? I want to see my children graduate from college. How can I afford this? I don't want to be a burden. I'm afraid. I'm overwhelmed with information. Sometimes I wonder if I'll ever fall in love and get married. I just want to play with my friends. You're listening to Kidney Talk, streaming health, happiness, and hope to the renal community with your hosts, Lori Hartwell and Stephen First. We're here at another episode of Kidney Talk, Stephen. This is exciting because we're going to talk about donors, which is the most important thing. It is. And uh, we have a very important topic today. And it's a, it's a difficult topic because living kidney donor is, you know, a new concept to people. And Harvey Mysell, who is also a transplant recipient, um, has created the Living Kidney Donor Network, and it's an organization based out of Chicago, Illinois. So welcome to the program, Harvey. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You know, I read a statistic somewhere that uh, a uh, deceased donor, the kidney lasts about 11 years, and with a live donor, the kidney lasts between 20 and 25 years. Is that correct? You're, you're about in the range. Uh, what we like to say is that a uh, kidney from a living donor lasts about twice as long as from uh, a deceased donor. So you're right, Stephen, yes. Tell us a little bit about your history, uh, Harvey. Did you have a uh, kidney from a deceased donor, or did you have a live one? My donor was my wife, so very much alive. Wow, <laughs> how, how, how extraordinary. You know, I'm coming across that more and more. Uh, you know, where the uh, spouse actually matches uh, the, the other spouse. Like uh, George Lopez, the comedian, his wife donated a kidney to him. What, what really is the uh, result of this is the immunosuppressant drugs that are there. And the term match is uh, often kind of misused or misquoted. Uh, I like to use two other terms, someone that's suitable to donate, and that's basically someone that's healthy enough to donate. Uh, you know, if you have a heart condition or diabetes or uh, uh, some other chronic problem, you're, you're not going to be a, uh, suitable to donate. And the other is compatible because the matching uh, term really isn't appropriate because people, my wife and I weren't, so to speak, matched until about two weeks before the transplant, and we were going ahead with it whether I was a zero match or a six out of six match, because the, uh, the immunosuppressant drugs have gotten so good that there isn't a statistical difference when someone is a zero match or a five out of six match. Wow. When you're yeah. a perfect match, then statistically that is, there's a significant difference there. Wow. wow. So, so you're saying that somebody could be a totally non-match and, and, and it doesn't matter anymore. Yeah, it's a zero antigen. It's actually, isn't it the cross-match that's really important? It is. The cross-match is probably, the, they call it either the go or the no-go. And they usually do that match uh, fairly late in the process where basically they, they mix the recipient and the donor's blood uh, together. And if the recipient's blood uh, kind of responds and attacks the donor's blood, uh, that's called a positive cross match, and that's not good. What you're really looking for is a negative cross match, uh, where there isn't a reaction. Uh, but that's absolutely the cross match. Another thing that's probably even more important at the outset for the recipient is something they call PRAs. And your PRAs is is really something that someone needs to understand or know, because they're, they're called panel reactive antibodies, and that's in the recipient's blood. Yeah, that's what I, I have 70%. I have 70% antibodies. 
so, seventy, which mean, which means, as you as you probably know, what it means that seventy percent of the population mm-hmm. is not going to be able to donate to you. Right. It could be worse. It could be worse after three transplants. I've had three, and most people are in the nineties. So you have to look at what's right and not what's wrong. <laughs> because the more transplants you get, the more antibodies you create. Or the more blood transfusions, or if you have children, it actually uh, puts you at risk of getting antibodies. Right. And the third way is if you have a, a, a blood donation, uh, typically that'll raise your PRAs. So you started the Living Kidney Donor Network. And tell us a little bit about why you started it and what people will find um, it's a virtual website that offers services. What I found out is I'd been volunteering uh, about 10 years before my transplant, uh, promoting organ and tissue donor registration, um, you know, people to register with the state uh, in the event of your untimely death so your organs are used. And uh, I really was very adamant for people to do that. But what I started to find out when I was told that uh, I was in need of a kidney transplant, I was looking for other ways to help people. Because even if all of the organs were available uh, from people who who died to be able to use, it still wouldn't be enough for the demand that's there. Right now we've got 83,000 people, over 83,000 people waiting for a kidney transplant. So when I started to see this and, and wait for a deceased donor is five years or more, uh, I knew that living donation was something that I wanted to pursue, but there was very little information being given by people about living donation. And I found that uh, although hospitals wanted people to donate, they would tell you, you know, find a living donor. Uh, I think in introduction you even said they were, you know, people are intimidated. I was intimidated by the thought of having have to call my good friend and, and ask them to, to donate a kidney. And what I found out is you really don't ask someone to donate. You just let people know about your condition, and people will start to ask more. If they're interested in donating, you'll, you'll go after it. But it's, it's very intimidating uh, at the beginning to think, how am I going to find a living donor? And uh, the reality is that living donor finds you if you let enough people become aware of it. So I started to develop programs that can help people understand living donation. There's a lack of knowledge about it uh, out there. And then to help people communicate that need to their family members and friends. So the idea I had about listing it on Craigslist was not a good idea. You know what? Many people have listed on Craigslist or put an ad on Craigslist or their need on Craigslist and have ended up uh, uh, finding uh, someone that uh, was interested in donating. In fact, there's a website call Flood Sisters, F-L-O-O-D, sisters.com. They got together, the three sisters, put an ad on Craigslist for their father. They ended up, believe it or not, uh, someone responded. That person donated, and they started an organization after to help people. So They're more in the matching process. And what what is Living Donor Network then? So so Living Donor Network is to help people have... Uh, learn just more information about it. Do you get a lot of calls from people? I mean, I'm sure that uh, I know some of the um, transplant facilities, they're, they're really busy and a lot of people may have questions. And where do they go for answers? That's part of the challenge. Um, I, 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 I help people out individually, but the two ways that I've structured my organization to help people is one is I, work, um, I developed a workshop, an in-person workshop, 
where people from uh, transplant hospitals or other organizations that support individuals with kidney disease uh, send their people to this workshop, and we talk about how to, you know, I help them with information about living donation, and then we uh, help them uh, communicate their need to the family members and friends. We actually sit down and go over the ways that they can introduce their issue or their situation with people and how they can tell more people uh, about the condition that they're in. I know for myself, I don't like to go around and say, okay, well, uh, you know, and I know a lot of people, they don't want to be the poster child for needing a transplant. So how do you approach the issue? Really, I tell people to approach the issue pretty much the way uh, individuals do when they're networking for a job, that they go out, you know, you meet somebody and they say, hey, Harv, how you doing? Well, I tell them how I'm doing. How are you feeling? I tell them how I'm feeling. And then I tell them the situation that I'm in. Many people have to say I'm on kidney dialysis. They describe what kidney dialysis is. And they tell them I'm in need of a kidney transplant. And here are the two options for me. I'm on the waiting list. The wait may be three, four, or five years. I'm also hopeful that someone will step up offered to be a living donor. So somebody says to you, hey, Harvey, how's it going? And you tell them all this? I start to tell them these points of view, yeah. I would wow. think the same way, Stephen. Someone uh, steps up to you one day and uh, on a Monday morning after you played football on Sunday, hey, how you doing today, Stephen? My guess is the first thing you're going to say is, uh, you know, I'm achy, my knee hurts, my back hurts. They want to know something about them, and this is your opportunity to tell them. It's an I important part of your life. And you want to let people know the same well, way if you were networking for a job, you would never ask somebody to hire you. I just, I don't know that that seems difficult to me. You know, if somebody says, uh, how you doing? You go, well, I'm unemployed. I'm looking for a job. You know, you don't outright next and ask them. But I know if I had a guy that I knew was going to tell me his life history, I'd cross the street if I saw him coming. You've heard the terminology, uh, giving somebody or providing an elevator speech. If you practice and, and come up with two or three points, gee, I have a, a kidney disease and uh, I'm in need of a kidney transplant, that might be just enough to start a conversation if the other person is interested. If they're not, you go on to the next person. The same way, gee, I'm unemployed, I'm looking for a job. If someone is interested, they may say, hey, what do you do? Right. It's really hard to leave yourself open to just, it's such a vulnerable place because you don't have any control over the situation and there's nothing you can do and you're looking for the help of somebody to, you know, donate such an, an important part of, the, you know, it's, it's not something people do lightly. And it's just, I'm, I'm in awe of people who make that decision to donate. My last transplant was a deceased donor. I, we just had an interview a little bit earlier and, you know, the, the, the donor and the recipient were together and I'm like, you know, wow, they have this really neat bond but it's exciting that, you know, people are willing to do that. Remember the guy that we interviewed? He was a rabbi and his donor was a priest that he had met I in know. an interfaith council meeting. The woman who, uh, Mike Jones, was an African-American and uh, Patricia Abdullah was a Muslim, Muslim. Oh. <laughs> uh, you know, and she gave a Muslim Christian. So it was a really uh, interesting. And, and they just met at a seminar and, you know, he did exactly what you said. He's told people he was on dialysis and she walked up and offered to give him a kidney. So, you know, you do have to let your story be known. Yeah, and these stories are not unusual. You think they're one in a million, 
but these stories happen all the time. There are, on average, uh, in the last few years, over 17 living kidney transplants done every day. Wow. So it's no longer, you know, the, the one in a million. You know, Starbucks baristas uh, donate to customers, cab drivers donate to somebody in their cab. And, you know, like you said, priests and rabbis and, 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 and members of a, a religious congregation will uh, donate. It, it really, there is no limit. And, Stephen, you're exactly right when you said, isn't it hard to, to, to say these things? Yeah, it, it is not easy. I'll be the first to admit, these are not easy things to say to people or ask, uh, as some people say it. But uh, to express these uh, issues in your life aren't easy. But the consequences of not expressing them are, are quite severe and dire. So there is certainly motivation on people's behalf. They just need some help in kind of framing those words or educating themselves uh, to, to the whole living donation process. In uh, some workshops I've done, we do some role-playing where we'll sit down and we'll, uh, we'll say, gee, I'm at a party and I haven't seen Jim in six months. He doesn't know, you know, I need a transplant. What would you say when Jim comes up and says hi? And after the workshop, people come up to me and said, you know, I've never said those words to anybody. It's hard. I got to tell you, Harvey, it's very difficult because, you know, I personally didn't want, I don't want every strangers or, or acquaintance to know my history. And I think you'd have to be from a very desperate place, like needing a liver to do something like that. Well, needing a kidney, it is kind of strange. It's not considered a life-saving uh, procedure because there is kidney dialysis. Correct. Uh, but a liver is. But uh, for some people, they feel they, they need to do it. And uh, unless you're in those shoes, I think it's hard to understand how exactly you do feel. I know that a lot of times I've actually had some friends that have ran out of accesses with dialysis. Although I know several people have been on for many years, um, it doesn't work for everybody. And um, it can really impact your quality of life. So uh, a living donor may be the only option since the deceased donor list is way over 80,000. So it is, it, do, it does come down to life and death. And, you know, it's a difficult uh, subject for anybody to talk about. Somebody willing to donate can't do that unless they know that there's a need on someone else's behalf. Yeah, people do want to help. And that's what I've found. You know, I, I hear stories all the time, even in my own situation, that, you know, people want to, uh, uh, you say, oh, you know, I have a flat tire. Oh, let me fix it for you. You know, I need... People generally want to help other people, and if you give them the opportunity, you know, if they can't help you if you don't give them the opportunity. And it's it's a wonderful uh, gift, but also somebody who, you know, you it's hard to ask for something like that. And um, your wife gave you a transplant how long ago? The timing is interesting because two days from now is our three-year anniversary. Oh, wow. Happy P-Day. <laughs> Thank you. We do celebrate it. That's wonderful. And how is she doing? She's doing fine. She was back to work in two weeks. Uh, I was back to work in three weeks. Um, I uh, competed in a triathlon in, uh, five months after the transplant. Uh, a year later, I competed in the transplant Olympics and won a gold medal. So I'm very lucky to really uh, be able to go through this process and experience it. And like many people, um, the people that, treat, uh, that run our workshops are recipients and donors, 
and they really do want to volunteer and help others and let other people know because they're so thankful. Uh, and they see how much of a change of a life uh, it, it is for them. And when, what do you normally do, Harvey? Well, I'm an entrepreneur. I have a business that's in the water purification uh, area for commercial and residential use. But recently, in the last couple of months, I've now uh, taken the Living Kidney Donors Network on full time. And I'm committed to get the word out to people and run my workshops and webinars and educate people about living donations so they can, they can get there, too. Wow, that's fantastic. Wow. Well, tell us a little bit about how um, they can find out more about uh, Living Kidney Donors Network and you're a not-for-profit organization. And I certainly appreciate that because I started Renal Support Network in 1993. So I know exactly where you're at and you just got to keep pushing. And it's amazing because um, the community needs uh, the type of support where people who've been there to help other people because it really makes such a difference. And um, I need to know, what is your creatinine? I always like to know what people's creatinine is. Right now, mine is 1.6. Oh, wow. That's wonderful. And what's your blood pressure? Is it everything normal? Blood pressure is normal. Uh, I did uh, after the transplant well, and before. I was on uh, BP meds and, and about a year after the transplant, how to get back on them. But uh, other than that, I'm doing well and no life's restrictions at all or things that... Uh, you can or can't do. I've always been very active, continue to be active. It, it really is a, a change of life for people because when you're in need of a kidney transplant, your whole body starts to change and shut down and have challenges. Uh, in fact, many people die of not of a kidney disease, uh, of a kidney disease uh, towards the end because other functions start to fail. As you well know, diabetics are probably at more risk of heart disease. Uh, than they are of dying of diabetes. And the uh, same thing with uh, people with kidney disease. Well, and how do you, f um, give us uh, uh, the name of your website. Sure, the website is uh, www. Uh, and the initials LKD is in David, N is in Nancy, livingkidneydonorsnetwork.org, so lkdn.org. And we have a series of webinars uh, that are coming up now. In fact, uh, your organization sent out uh, notice about these workshops. The name of the workshop is Having Your Living Donor Find You. They can see on the website how they can sign up for the webinars. And uh, these are online, so it's uh, convenient for people sitting in California to listen to me. Uh, in Chicago, as, as, as we're doing now, or really anywhere. And is there any charge for these, Harvey? There is no charge. I do not charge for the webinars. Uh, it's been overwhelming. The, uh, we started out with, uh, with just having two webinars, and we've had hundreds of people registered. We added two more webinars, and I'm looking to add two more because, it's, uh, it, like I said, the, the response has been overwhelming, which shows to me that people are looking for ways to help themselves. Well, thank you very much, and uh, we look forward to seeing you at a webinar. Thanks, Lori. Appreciate it. Stephen, thank you so much. Okie dokie. We can control our own destiny. We can take charge of our health and ask questions about our medical options. We can form partnerships with our health care team. We can take steps towards self-improvement. We can be sensitive to the impact of our disease on our family. We can sing, dance, laugh, and enjoy our lives. We can appreciate today and look forward to tomorrow. We can help and support our fellow patients. We can pursue our hopes and dreams. We can make a difference. 